Father, we thank you. We thank you, God, for your love. We thank you for the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. We thank you, God, for the loving voice of our Father who calls out to us today. We thank you that it is your breath in our lungs, Lord, that you breathed life into us, that you called us your child, that we can be confident that we are who you said we are. Father, we give you praise. Remind your children of who they are in you. Remind your children of who you are. Speak. And may our ears be hope opened to hear all that you have for us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you, Jesus. We're talking to you this morning about the voice of God. And we're continuing uh, our series entitled Rhythm. Last week, we talked about the rhythm of daily devotion, that is, daily devotion to God's Word. Today, we talk about prayer. And as we just did recently a series on prayer, I wanted to focus specifically today on the voice of God. Because how many of you know that prayer is a two-way conversation? And so where the presence of God is, there his voice will be also. Amen? He desires to speak to us. And this morning as we were singing all of these songs, it just all the places in, throughout Scripture where we see God speak just begin to flood my mind. He said, let there be light, and there was light. He said to the sea and to the wind and the waves, peace be still, and it was so. And it says here in Isaiah 43, now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you says, do not be afraid for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name and you are mine. And today, he is kicking down walls and tearing down lies using uh, that voice of truth. But do we have ears to hear him speak today? You know, um, doctors use this thing called a stethoscope um, that they wear uh, on their ears and they put it up to your chest because they're listening for the rhythm of your heart, right? Anybody learning this for the first time today? Right? They're listening for the rhythm of your heart because sometimes they can pick up on something, even with the human ear, even without an EKG or some fancy test, they can pick up on a flutter. Or they can tell that there's something wrong with your heartbeat, that in fact, maybe your heart is not beating in rhythm. And so the doctor, if he's unable to hear a consistent rhythm in your heartbeat, it raises an alarm that you could have a condition that could make you susceptible to something very life-threatening, like a stroke, for example. And that person is, is, is vulnerable in that situation, but the rhythm that he leans in to hear is what raises the alarm. And so if the doctor never takes the time to listen closely, he's not going to be aware that there's a warning sign. The heartbeat was there all along. And it was beating to a particular rhythm or pattern, but it was only when he leaned in to hear that he realized something was off. The vital information was only received when he leaned in for a closer listen. So like this heartbeat, church, the voice of God is what gives us life. But if we don't develop a rhythm of listening, through prayer, we will miss the words of life that can save us. And if you're not listening to the voice of God, your heart is skipping a beat. It's out of rhythm, and you're missing an irreplaceable, elemental, uh, 
or uh, irreplaceable elements of growth. But can anyone hear the voice of God? I mean, why does it seem sometimes like God speaks to everyone else but me? Have you ever said that? Uh, have you ever been in church and um, you constantly you hear people, maybe it's testimony time, and they're sharing stories, and God said to me this, and God said to me that, and you've said to yourself, what's wrong with me? What am I, chopped liver? Why doesn't God speak to me? Well, I'm here to tell you this morning that God is speaking to you. He's been speaking to you since the moment you drew your first breath. And so it's not that God needs to speak up, but it's that you need to lead in. And so this morning, before we dive into the scriptures, we're going to discuss at our table why that it's difficult for some of us to hear the voice of God. And to follow that up with this, how have you personally learned to recognize the voice of God in your life? So let's share at our tables, and then we're going to open up the Word of God, and I'm excited what He has for us today. All right. Wow. Hope you had some great discussion at your table. Uh, We learned all sorts of unique ways uh, that God speaks to people and how we learn to recognize his voice. Don't you think that's really neat that God doesn't speak to everyone in the same exact way? But the way he chooses to speak happens to be a, a way that is very significant to that particular person. And God is so good that way. He's the good father. And it's, it's the same way. You know, I might address my four different children in four different ways um, with the knowledge of how I think they'll respond uh, to the way, the approach that I take. And so, again, as I said earlier, it's not that God needs to speak up. We know throughout Scripture that he is always speaking. So the key is for us to learn how to hear And so this morning, I want to give you a very practical message based on the Word of God that gives you five keys to unlock your ears. Everybody go like this. Okay, there you go. We're unlocking our ears. I'm going to give you five keys to unlock your ears this morning. And so we're going to get into the Word of God. So I would like to invite you this morning to stand as we prepare to read it, but also to make our statement of faith over this book that we hold in our hands. You'll see the words on the screen. I just invite you to read it along with me on the count of three. One, two, three. This is my Bible. It is God's word. When I read it and live it, I will become everything it says that I am. (laughs) I stuttered on that one. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. Okay, if you'll remain standing with me and turn to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 3. 1 Samuel, chapter 3. And I would love if you could all follow along in your paper Bibles, if you have them. Um, And if you're using your phone, silence those notifications. All right. And if you don't have a Bible today, you can follow along with us on the screen. But this is 1 Samuel chapter 3. It says, meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now, in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare. And visions were quite uncommon. One night, Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. What a place to take a nap, right? Suddenly, the Lord called out, Samuel, right? That's, isn't that what God's voice sounds like? Maybe not. Listen to the rest of the story. Yes, Samuel replied. What is it? He got up and ran to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? Interesting. I didn't call you, Eli replied. Go back to bed. So he did. Then the Lord called out again, Samuel. Again, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, my son, Eli said. Go back to bed. This probably sounds pretty familiar to some of our moms today, right? You ever have conversations like this with your kids where it's like, um, I need a drink of water, Um, my stomach feels funny, my ears itch, you know, whatever, and they just keep coming to you over and over again? 
Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. So the Lord called a third time. Don't you love the persistence of God? And once more, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I want to pause and and stop for a minute to consider and appreciate the fact that for every time Samuel got up mistaking God's voice for Eli's, he spoke again. Then Eli realized, it says, it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, go and lie down again. And if someone calls again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed and the Lord came and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. Father, we pray that you would illuminate the scripture to us today and give us understanding and help us to see how to take the word of truth and apply it to our lives. Let it perform a transformational work upon each and every one that hears. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. You can be seated. So I want to give you five keys to unlock your ears to hear the voice of God. The first is reverence. Reverence. Why am I talking about reverence? It says in verse 1, in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare and visions were quite uncommon. And so it begs the question, why? Was it just a season in history where God decided to take a step back? Or are there some clues offered in the context of this passage that would maybe give us a hint as to why it seems like his voice was silent? That visions were not common. Well, if you read the end of chapter 2, you find um, that Eli, who was the high priest at the time, his sons were acting very, very sinful. And they were supposed to be priests as well. And they were doing some very, very ungodly things. And the scriptures say in verse 13, it actually says that they were blaspheming God. And so perhaps there's a direct correlation to uh, God's voice and messages being very rare and visions being uncommon to the state of the church at the time, that there was a lack of reverence for God. Write this down in your notes. Where reverence for God is absent, the voice of God is silent. Where reverence for God is absent, the voice of God is silent. It says that they were blaspheming him. That word blaspheme means to be slight, swift, or trifling. In other words, Eli's sons were treating God as if he was small or of little consequence. There can be no greater error made on behalf of uh, our judgment upon uh, the qualities of God, that he, is, that he is slight, that he is a small or little thing, that he is of little consequence. And yet the way that they were behaving uh, was sending a very powerful message that that's how they viewed God. They did not have the fear of the Lord. Now, before you're too quick to judge them for their irreverence, I think we must take an honest look at ourselves and consider how a lot of the things that we do today show a lack of reverence for God. Like when we come only to God, we only come to God in prayer in our time of need, but we neglect Him throughout the rest of the week. We're saying to Him, God, you are small. When we partake in things that we know He wouldn't do if if He was here in the physical right next to us, as if He's not with us, We treat him as if he is of little consequence. When we withhold our tithes and offerings, we're telling him that he's not worth our sacrificial generosity. When we know to do good in a situation and we are empowered to do that, but we choose not to, we show that we have no fear of God. The church has all but forgotten the importance of the fear of the Lord. It becomes all about Jesus is my best friend and he's my help in my, in my time of need, but we no longer see him as God the Father, the creator, and the judge of every living thing. If the voice of God seems silent to you this morning, would you consider whether your reverence for God 
is absent. Then in verse 3, we see that Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. This single line in the passage here, I think, offers us three keys. Recognition, anticipation, and position. So let's talk about recognition right now. See, the ark was where God's presence resided. And so where Samuel finds himself sleeping is in the temple, the house of God, near the ark, the holy of holies, where where his presence resided was found. And yet we see that based on Samuel's response running directly to Eli, he did not recognize God's presence. He did not recognize that God's presence was there and that God's voice would be near as well. And recognition has a profound impact on our ability to hear. Write this down in your notes if you're taking notes. The recognition of God's presence brings the expectation of his utterance. The recognition of God's presence brings the expectation of his utterance. In other words, if you can be assured that God is in this place today, then you can also be assured that he wants to speak, that he is speaking, and if you will lean in, you will hear his voice. When God manifests his presence, he always has something to say. Look at it through the scriptures, throughout the Old and New Testament. When God reveals himself, he comes with a message. And so it is not abnormal to hear the voice of God. In fact, it's the, it's the most normal thing in the world for the average, everyday believer to hear the voice of God on a regular basis. And if you're not experiencing hearing God's voice in your life. Now, I'm not talking about an audible voice necessarily like Samuel had here, but if you don't recognize him speaking into your life and giving you direction, that is abnormal. That is a strange, twisted form of Christianity, and that needs to be fixed in your life. This is is amazing. Jesus is the word made flesh. Do you remember that scripture in John chapter 1? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and it says that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That means that God wants to speak so desperately that he took his voice and he wrapped it in flesh to put it in a form that we could recognize it and we could understand it because now no longer would we just hear the teachings of Jesus, but we would see his life lived and the word of God unfolding before our very eyes. God speaks and he wants to be heard. The Holy Spirit came as tongues of fire originally in the book of Acts, and they rested it on each other's heads. And it says they spoke in other languages. And you got to understand today, church, that if the Holy Spirit dwells in you, then you can anticipate that he's going to speak to you on a regular basis. Number three, anticipation. Samuel did not recognize God's voice in part because he never anticipated that God would speak to him. Why do I say that? Well, we see based on his response that the voice he anticipated that would speak was Eli's. And that's why his first thought was, okay, I know I'm here. I know Eli's here. And there must have been some similarity in the voice. Very interesting, right? That God spoke to him in a voice that he could mistake for Eli's. And so what he was anticipating is that if I hear a call in the middle of the night, it's because this aging high priest who is almost completely blind, probably needs my help. It says that the, the, uh, the lamp had not gone out yet. And so what would happen is they would, they would light the lamp overnight and they wouldn't uh, extinguish it and trim the wick again until the following morning. And so it's as if um, it was the wee hours of the morning before the sun rose. And so Eli might be thinking, oh, or not Eli, Samuel might be thinking, okay, Eli's calling me, maybe he needs help. He can't see very well. Maybe he needs to find the bathroom. And so I got to go help him out. This is his thinking. This is what he is anticipating. And so because he wasn't anticipating the voice of God, he missed what God wanted to say these first few times. 
To him, it was more likely that it would be Eli, but God not only exists, but he speaks and he wants to be heard. You know, one of the things I love about leading groups, life groups, uh, we have an amazing rooted group happening right now. Let me hear it from my rooted group. God is speaking to us in these groups in an amazing way. But you know what I love is when the introvert pops up in a life group, right? Introverts are amazing. I'm married to one. She's making me say this. No, I'm just kidding. Um, But what makes introverts so amazing, right, is because they don't speak very often. And it gets to the point where sometimes you no longer anticipate them desiring to speak. And so they get overlooked. And us extroverts will bounce our ideas off of each other like crazy. Meanwhile, the introverts are just sitting there nodding, thinking. And we're thinking, hmm, I wonder why they won't say anything. And then every once in a while, uh, the genius uh, facilitator will say, hey, Mr. Introvert, Mrs. Introvert, what do you think about this? And everyone braces for it. Oh, so-and-so doesn't really like to talk. He shouldn't have put he or she on the spot right there. And then that person begins to share, and everybody goes, mind blown. That was so thoughtful. That was so deep. Well, it's no wonder because while us extroverts are popping off the first thing that comes to our mind, blah, 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 they're considering everything that's being said. Then they're chewing on it. Then they're formulating a response and repeating it in their head six times. So by the time they actually open up their mouth and speak, what they have to say is extremely profound. But unless we anticipate that they have something to say and engage them, we miss the wonderful message that God has placed upon their hearts. And this anticipation has a dramatic effect on your hearing. Anticipation and expectation are pretty synonymous, wouldn't you say? In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 Um, It says, anyone who wants to come to him, God, must believe that God exists. Somebody look to your neighbor and say, duh. And the, the kids like that. And that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. So we see by this passage here that God wants to speak to you, but you must believe that he wants to speak to you and you must sincerely seek him. There's an action that must take place on our part. See, to seek something uh, implies movement, doesn't it? Has anybody ever played hide and seek while standing still? It's not very effective, right? It's like, I can't find you. You know, you have to move. You have to check underneath things. Now, listen, God's not hiding from us. God wants to be found. And the scriptures say, draw near to God. And he will draw near to you. But unless you are willing to change your position, which is number four, you're not going to be in a place that you can hear his voice. What I love about this is Samuel was young. According to Josephus, it's believed that he was 12 years old when he first heard the call of God. That this story took place when he's a 12-year-old boy. But he was positioned uniquely to hear God's voice in multiple ways. So number one, um, he was like sleeping next to the ark. That's pretty awesome, right? Uh, that I, would, I would probably set my bed up there too, right? If I was living in the temple. And so he's next to the ark. But listen, we are reading about the story today. And Mary brought this up in prayer today. Um, and it, I thought it was really powerful. And as this is Mother's Day, she took a moment to thank God for Samuel's mother. Because you can read in Samuel chapter 1 about how he came into existence because of the faithful, persistent prayer of a mother. And if it wasn't for her faith, we would not have Samuel, who would not have anointed David as king, who would not have uh, eventually led to directly to the Messiah, Jesus Christ, who's from the Davidic line. And because of this woman's faithfulness and because of her prayer, uh, we have Samuel here and so she dedicated him. She kept her word. She, de- she said, God, if you give me a son, I will dedicate him to you. I will give him to your service. And so that's exactly what she did. Once he was weaned, 
She brought him into the temple. And so here he is, uniquely positioned, being trained up as a young child to hear the voice of God. Yet up until this point, he had not yet heard the voice of God. What I also think is amazing about this is this voice bypassed Eli, the high priest, and went directly to a 12-year-old boy. I want to talk to the young people again this morning. The time has come that God is going to speak to your generation. But it is up to you to position yourself to hear. Be in God's word. Come to him daily in prayer. And I promise you, you will begin to hear his voice. But it's not just going to come upon you suddenly. You must position yourself to hear. It cannot be your parents and grandparents that bring this nation back to God. But it is, in fact, going to be your generation. And I believe very firmly this morning that God is raising up a remnant from this generation that will listen to his voice and respond with, Here I am, Lord. Your servant is listening. Now's the time, young people. This isn't one day when you grow up. It isn't, the call of God isn't, someday when I'm grown, I'll be a missionary to Africa. The call of God is tomorrow, I'm going to start my day by hitting my knees in prayer and listening for his voice. And then I'm going to stand up and I'm going to allow his voice to lead and guide my decisions throughout the day. And when our young people are awakened to the voice of God, then we will see our whole nation turning back to God. See, Samuel's heart was in position to receive In the book of Revelation, we read, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. Write this down in your notes. The voice of God is seeking untainted ears. The voice of God is seeking untainted ears. One of the things, one of the most common reasons that humans suffer hearing loss is exposure to loud noises over the course of a a long course of time. I experienced this in the short term as a teenager. I went to one of my first ever rock concerts. And I'm going to sound really old right now, but it was Petra. None of these kids know who Petra is. But Petra was the bomb, and they put on an amazing show. And we went to see them at some amphitheater in Mesa. I think it was actually called the Mesa Amphitheater. Is that a thing? And, um, and so we were there, it was this outdoor concert, and we wanted to get closer, but we couldn't because the crowd was packed in there so tight. But then we saw that there were openings on the sides. We're thinking, what's wrong with these idiots? Like, there's all this room over there on the side. So we went over there, and we soon realized why those areas were not occupied. Because we stood next to a 12-foot-tall speaker that was cranked to 11, and uh, all in one side, right? Because we're turning facing um, the band in the center of the stage, and the music is just blaring. And it was uncomfortable right away, but we loved our position so much that we continued in that position, jumping and shouting and singing, and it was great until finally, about 15 minutes into it, we both kind of started holding our ears, and we're like, we got to move. This is bad. Well, at the end of the night, the concert's over, and yet we still hear music. (laughs) And it's not pleasant music. It's more like, what, what, right? Uh, Side note, but I also discovered I locked my keys in the car. So it was a wonderful night, right? We get there, our ears are ringing, can't get in the car, called my parents. I think, did you guys have to come down to rescue me? Or I think it was Brian, brother-in-law, so pretty crazy. But what happened is because we positioned ourselves too close to the speaker, it affected our ability to hear. And my ear would have never recovered from that if I hadn't removed myself from that damaging position. And let me tell you this morning, church, that when we expose our inner ears, our spiritual ears too much to the noise of this world, we become deaf to God's whisper. And so I ask you this morning, what noise are you exposing yourself to that's clouding everything up so that you can't hear the voice of God? 
You know, sometimes it's the things we willingly subject ourselves to. At our table over here, we were talking about how basically, like, there's no such thing as downtime anymore. Like, if you've got downtime, you're on a device. So many of us, we're on a device. And we're we're constantly consuming something. And how in the world is God going to get a word in edgewise in that moment? But we position ourselves in, in front of the loudspeakers of the world. And what happens is we lose our sensitivity to his voice. And we find ourselves getting frustrated as if God doesn't want to speak into our lives. But really what we've done is we've trained our ear to no longer recognize his whisper. And sometimes if we're not careful, it's the things that happen to us that we didn't ask for. Sometimes we can become jaded by the loud things that happen in our life and we can become overwhelmed and, 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 then, and as a result, we harden our hearts and, and it makes us distance ourselves from, from everything, including God. But if years of too many voices have affected your hearing this morning, I want to remind you, especially that older generation, the words of Jesus. He says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. See, that's what I mean when I say the voice of God seeks untainted ears. Sometimes the reason why he speaks to the young generation is because they haven't experienced as much of this broken world as the rest of us. And so they're still willing to take God at his word. And sometimes we just need to reposition ourselves and take, the, take on the, the faith and the innocence of a child and say, God, I'm just going to take you at your word again. I know times in the past where I believed you for something and it didn't turn out how I wanted and I blamed it on you and it, and it caused me to become deaf to your voice, but I'm going to come back to you as a child and I'm going to trust you and I'm going to take you at your word. Don't let the damage caused by the noise of this world to keep you from hearing his still small voice anymore. In verse 5, we see that Samuel, for the first of three times, he ran to Eli and he says, here I am, did you call me? I want to pose this question to you. How in the world could Samuel mistake the voice of God for Eli's voice? This old priest who no longer feared the Lord the way that he should, how would he mistake his voice? Well, I believe that God spoke to Samuel in a way that would sound familiar to him. I believe he chose that voice very intentionally because sometimes, you know, we miss God's voice because we're waiting for the spectacular while he speaks in the familiar. We're waiting for a sign. We're, sitting for, we're waiting for a grand vision. And so what happens is we're overlooking all the little other ways, the other languages he uses to speak to us because we're waiting for the spectacular. But you know what? If God really spoke to us in the spectacular, uh, there's times where we would not be ready to receive that. Amen? You see, you don't, I said this earlier, but you don't need him to speak up. You need to lean in. In, in, in his book uh, entitled Whisper, Mark Batterson talks about seven uh, keys or seven languages that God speaks to us in. And the number one is scripture. Now, scripture is also the key of all keys, right? Because scripture is what guides us in the other six secondary languages that he speaks in. And those are as follows. Desires. Go ahead and repeat this after me. Desires. Dreams. Doors. People. Promptings. And pain. Amen. So how many of you raise your hand and say, God has spoken to me in one of those six ways before in my life? And what's beautiful is he gives us his word. And here's the thing. Everything hinges upon this, because if you are not in his word, you are much less likely to hear God speak through any other language that he provides. And not only that, but this is the answer key, right? Because how many of you have ever had a desire that was an ungodly desire? Well, how did you know it was ungodly? Because it was contrary to his word. How many of you have ever had a dream that was a selfish dream and was all about bringing glory to you? And how did you know it was selfish? Because it was contrary to God's word. 
How many of you have ever had a door open to you, but you recognize that door was going to lead to destruction? How do you know that? Because it's contrary to God's word. How many of you have experienced pain in your life, but you heard the message wrong? How did you know you heard the message wrong? Because you compared it to the truth in God's word. God was trying to speak one thing to you through that pain, but you allowed the enemy to cloud his message. And look at that pain as a sign that God is not good and God is not faithful in your life. And so God is speaking in all these ways, and these are common. We've all had desires. We all have dreams. We've all had doors and opportunities open to us and closed to us. And sometimes we need to remember to be just as thankful for the doors that close as the ones that open. Amen? Think of the things that he has saved us from. I I got examples. I can look back and say, I really wanted this, and yet I didn't have it. And then I realized what it was, and I was thankful. We all have people in our lives. Some of you kids, you need to realize right now that God is speaking to you through your mother. And you're not recognizing it because it's familiar to you. You're like, no, that's just mom's voice. I'll let that go in one ear and out the other right? Because that's just mom. I know better than mom. But what you don't understand is that God has anointed your mother to lead you spiritually. And the voice that you are shutting out and rolling your eyes at may actually be the voice of God in your life. Listen to your moms. Listen to your dads too. You hear that kids? You listen to me. So in this case for Samuel, it was simply an audible, familiar sounding voice. Why? Well, we can read about the God in the Old Testament that spoke with fire and smoke from a mountain. Can you imagine him approaching a 12-year-old boy in the middle of the night with fire and smoke? Like, I want to be sure you know this is me. I'm God. Then I think what would have happened is Samuel would have ran to Eli in the middle of the night, just like he did, but it would have been a completely different conversation. It would have been something like, um, Eli, I wet the bed again. There's a monster in my room or something. See, likewise, God will speak to you in ways that seem familiar so that you can understand and receive. But if you act too familiar with those ways, you'll miss that it's God speaking. Verse seven says, Samuel did not yet know the Lord. He had never had a message. Fair enough, right? It's gonna take some practice. And God and his faithfulness, again, he didn't speak up. He continued to speak as he was before, but Samuel learned how to lean in. Church, quit waiting for God to speak up. And lean in. In verse 8, it says, The Lord called a third time, and once more Samuel went to Eli. Okay, so this is now the third time where he does the same thing, expecting a different result. This time Eli's gonna be like, Yep, it was me. I've been playing a joke on you, or whatever. But God continued to speak, even though Samuel did not recognize his voice. And finally, ironically, it was Eli that realized it was the Lord's voice. It was Eli, the one who no longer adhered to God's voice, no longer heeded his voice, no longer feared God the way that he was supposed to. And it was actually to Eli's detriment that God was speaking to Samuel, because if you read on in this chapter, he gives Samuel a message for Eli that it's about God's judgment upon him and his children that he failed to discipline because of their blasphemy. And yet, Eli chose to help Samuel know how to hear God. It made me think, I wonder when was the last time Eli heard God's audible voice? I think in that moment, it could have been tempting to just write off Samuel as a young, scared boy hearing things in the middle of the night. But to his credit, he directed Samuel to a position to hear from God. I want to say to our older Christians in the house today that we must always be looking to help and empower the generations that follow behind us. That they're going to need us to teach them how to hear the voice of God. Don't hold on to the past. Don't be afraid to pass the baton. 
Don't be afraid to empower the next generation because that's the only hope we have. The only hope we have is if we see revival taking place in Fountain Kids and our youth uh, experiencing a spiritual awakening. When we begin to see that happen, we know that there is hope for the future. But that's not going to happen without the older generation stepping aside and leaning and pulling them in and empowering them, platforming them, mentoring them, praying with them, teaching them. And finally, this is the instruction that Eli gives them. He says, go and lie down again. I find that very interesting that Samuel changed his position and he returned to a quiet place. Number five, the fifth key is silence. See, Eli did not instruct Samuel to go looking for God, but he told him to go lie down because the expectation was that God would speak again. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm seeking direction from God, I pray anxious prayers. You know, I'm a lot like, um, oh my gosh, I just thought of this. Haley. I'm a lot like Haley. Have you guys seen Haley? (laughs) Right? This is Mitch and Claudia's girl. She's just bouncing around like one of those little chihuahuas, you know? She's just always boing, 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 and she goes from here to here to here to there, right, right, right. That's my prayer life sometimes. I come to God, I'm like, I don't know what to do, God. And so I I pray these anxious prayers. I'm like, God, bless so-and-so, bless so-and-so. Give me direction here and tell me what to do there. Okay. And then I take off and I try to figure it out on my own. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try this. Or I'm going to call all my Christian friends and get advice. Like, what should I do in this situation? What would you do in this situation? When in reality, God just says, whoa, child, you do understand I want you to know my will, right? You do understand I'm not dangling it in front of you and yanking it away. Um, I want you to make the right choice. Calm down quiet yourself. Have you ever tried to have a conversation with your child and they're bouncing off of walls so they can't really hear you? They can't really receive direction from you? Sometimes we just need to return to the quiet place. Sometimes we need to shut up and listen. And so Eli instructs Samuel to go rest and wait because he knew that if Samuel was going to hear the voice of the Lord, he would need to quiet himself and listen. It's difficult to hear a whisper when you're not at rest. Sound engineers uh, have this practice called ear cleaning. And what they will do is they will go into a complete soundproof room called a quiet room, and they will sit there for minutes, 10, 15, 20 minutes, not making a noise. And they do this so that their ears can be recalibrated and relaxed. And what happens is through the silence, they increase the sensitivity of their ears so that when they get behind the board and they start to mix, they can hear the slightest thing that's off and make the adjustments so that the music comes through crystal clear exactly how it was meant to be enjoyed See, if you want to hear the voice of God, you have to eliminate the noise sometimes. And sometimes we cannot hear God because our life is too loud and our schedule is too busy. And as Americans, we stink at this. And we all have our excuses. We all have legitimate reasons why our schedules are too busy legitimate excuses why we can't hear God. But I want to give you a word from the Lord today and put it so eloquently for you. Excuses are like armpits. Everybody has them and they all stink. Whatever your reasoning is, it cannot compare with the necessity of God's voice in your life. You absolutely have to have it to survive. 
You don't want to live a moment without the direction of God upon your life. And what's so ironic about this is I will find myself in situations where I'm not in tune to the voice of God and then something happens that jars me. I had a moment like this just yesterday and I was reminded how desperately I needed Jesus. Because when that moment happened, I wasn't ready for it. Sometimes we get so caught up with life, we forget that we're on a battleground. And when you're on the battleground and you don't have a clear connection to your sergeant, when he says retreat and you keep going forward, you're putting yourself in harm's way. So finally, Eli says, if someone calls again, say, speak, Lord, and your servant is listening. So Eli and all of his flaws share some incredible knowledge on hearing the voice of God, even though he himself was no longer heeding it. I want to point this out right here. I think this is important for someone to hear today. Speaking God's truth is no substitute for living his truth. See, in verse 13, we see that the same voice of God that had spoke, was spoken to Eli, but he failed to listen and obey. So what is happening is Eli's content to do the ministry without submitting to God. He was good with being a mouthpiece, but not so good at following through. And in this position, perhaps this is how he rationalized his behavior. Look at the great sermons that I have preached. Look at the, the amount of wise counsel that I've offered to so many people. And it began to form this false sense of security. And how ironic that we could get so caught up in the outpouring of God's word that we can no longer receive it. But because he received his value from the ministry and from the works and from the things that he did, he lost his sensitivity to the conviction of God and the conviction of his word over his life. We can get better at speaking while losing our ability to listen. Don't mistake your gift of communication for God's approval upon your life. That's for somebody today. See, God's patience is meant to lead to repentance. It's time to learn to listen again. So finally, it says the Lord came one more time. And he called as before, it says, Samuel, Samuel. God spoke just as he did before. But what changed was Samuel recognized his voice. And he responded with this, speak. Your servant is listening. And that was all God needed to hear. In verse 11, we read that God said, I'm about to give you a very shocking message. And he entrusted that heavy message to a 12-year-old boy. Why? Because he had untainted ears. Because he was positioned uh, to receive. Because he had a reverence for God. Now check this out. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 21 says, The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh and gave messages to Samuel there at the tabernacle. Because a little boy leaned in, the voice of God was no longer rare, but it happened all the time. The voice continued to speak. See, church, God doesn't just want to speak to you once. He wants to open up a line of communication that goes both directions. He says, my sheep know me and they recognize my voice. God is speaking. He has been speaking. He's speaking now and he will continue to speak. But are you willing to listen? I want you to, I invite you to stand with me for a moment here. 
Father, we quiet our hearts and we invite you to speak. Grant us the ability and the grace to hear and receive the hard truth. If you can entrust a 12-year-old with a message of judgment upon the very man that raised him and took care of him from an early age, then God, we can hear the hard truths that you need us to hear. So grant us the grace to receive all that you have. And we take a moment to quiet ourselves and hear because man does not live on bread alone, but upon every word that comes from the mouth of God. God, we hunger for your word today. Nourish us with it, with it today in Jesus' name. Amen. I simply invite you to find a quiet place this morning, anywhere you want in this room. The team's going to play softly because we want to have an atmosphere of silence for a few moments. And I just want you to simply pray this one-line prayer. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And I believe some of you are going to experience a breakthrough today a revelation of God's word and his will for your life. So let's take some time to quiet and listen.
stand with me this morning can we just sing that chorus together once thank you Jesus yes Lord I don't want this one word you speak cause everything you say is life to me I don't want to miss one word you speak To quiet my heart, I'm listening Sing that again, quiet my heart Thank you, Jesus Quiet my heart, I'm listening One more time, one more time Quiet my heart, I'm listening Hallelujah, Jesus Church, that's all he wants to hear is speak. Your servant is listening. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I just want to say something to 
I believe there's some of you that were here and during that time of silence, you felt anxious and stir crazy. The first thing you thought is, I got to give a move. I should be doing something right now. And let me just tell you that that is just a symptom of what ails us. And that sometimes you have to be able to endure those anxious moments and push through to finally come to a place where those moments that we just created are like a breath of fresh air. Just just refreshing. God just wants to calm you down. He wants you to be at rest so that you can hear his whisper. So I just challenge you to continue to practice those times of silence in your your time with the Lord. And I believe that with consistency, you're going to begin to hear his voice on a regular basis. Amen? All right. I'm looking forward to hearing stories and testimonies of what God spoke into your life. And I would invite you, um, please share that because it builds me up and um, it can build up others too. Um, And if you want to just email me something, that'd be so great. Just at joe at thefountainphx.org. I'd love to hear what God is saying to you so I can celebrate uh, that breakthrough with you. But God bless you guys and happy Mother's Day again to mom. And all of your moms as well. Um, Have an incredible day today with your moms. Remember, we do have a gift for our moms today. They'll be passing that out in the back. And if you are here for the first time today and you'd like to join us for Fountain Connect in the community spot, it's right across the hallway, the, the lobby. And I'd love to meet you there. God bless you. Have an amazing day. We'll see you next time.